mark because the Lord changes it my heart to move to something else. But I just want to go back for a moment to uh, 4 and 26, the parable of the seed and the sower. Once Jesus tells us the meaning of the, of the parable of the sower, and the sower is Jesus, then in this explanation here in the 26th verse, he's telling us now it's our responsibility to sow the seed. It's part of the Great Commission to go ye therefore and teach all nations. See, we do that daily here, and then what we, our goal is we're equipping the saints to then take that and share it abroad. That I have a student that is has said, when I graduate, I want to teach in the school. This has been my heart for many years. You know that I wanted that for Brittany. That when we had her as a student, she has not had that of a goal, but she did not have uh, support outside of school for that. We do have Miss Bree Shipley. She's 16. She's a sweet girl. And it's ironic that she has struggled in school, but she wants to teach in school. And she was not even supposed to make it to age 16 because she was born with a kidney disease and for two years of her young life, she missed two years of school because she was hospitalized and had to recover and was at risk, could not risk going to school and getting an infection and so on. But we have her on a vocational program where she is training right now and when she graduates high school, she'll have the appropriate classes necessary for her to be hired and work in the preschool. And that's just the beginning because she said, I want to do what Miss Brooke does in the learning to read in primary class. So not only does she have a short-term goal she's working on, she's seeing beyond that and has a goal and a vision of what God has called her to do. And I thank God for this because her parents support her. You know what a lot of parents would say? Why do you want to do that? You'll never make money doing that. That's part of our story if we get into it today. Her parents are thrilled. And when I said once she does this and graduates, if they still have the scholarships available, we'll be able to scholarship her for a CDA. And her mom said, we'll pay for it if it's not. They are vested in their child working for the kingdom. And I just want to encourage you, when we sow seed, we never know what good soil it may land in and take root. But something bigger than us doing it, when Jesus sows the seed, he doesn't stop and say, I'm not going to throw it there anymore by the wayside. That's, that's a hardened area. It will never take root. That's too compacted. Nothing will grow there. He keeps throwing the seed out because he has such a great, tremendous love for us that he does not look at the circumstances, but he looks at the potential. And how do I know this? Because when I was most despicable,
comfortable. When I was most unloving, he kept throwing the seed out in my soul and waiting for the time it would take root in me. So we can't become discouraged when we are sowers and we're spreading the gospel because we never know at what time there's going to be a, a root that's going to take hold and it's going to produce fruit. So I want to encourage you this morning because I know there are difficult populations to work with. And is religion going to give me a box of tissue that's on my desk? And it seems like we're not making progress. We are. But we never know what the Lord is planting and fertilizing and giving that. I'm learning a lot because when I moved my plants into the atrium area, they were burned from being in outside in the sun and the wind. And then they had to adjust to a new environment. And plants don't like that. They like things to be the same, kind of like people. They like things to be the same, and they don't want to be moved around, or they don't welcome change. But I've had to learn about them and, and, and try to baby them and, and give them the right amount of, of watering and, and fertilizing that they need. And there's a couple that look really, really good, and there's a couple that struggle. Some we may see flourish, and there's always going to be some that are struggling to adapt, that are struggling to be healthy. So I want to encourage you this morning that our sower has a great love that unmatches or unequals anything we have in this life. You know how do we try to replicate it? We try to replicate it by marriage because we go in with a hope that this person is going to bring fulfillment into our life and will love us unconditionally. But I dare say not one of us steps into a relationship and says, I'm gonna love this person unconditionally. <laughs> Amen. We all step into relationships saying, it will last if they, I can only live with this, I cannot live with that. And there are certain things we should not live with. Never live with abuse. I, that should be a, a non-brainer here. I'm not talking about that. But Christ loves us unconditionally. Because when we are at our worst, he pulls us closer to him. Don't we want that in relationships? We, want, we would so much love it if our significant other when we are being the nastiest, we just say, come here, let me love on you. Most humans don't have that ability. It's okay, we fail at it. We, but Jesus always does. He wants us to move in closer to him when we're at our worst. And like I said, the Holy Spirit just wanted me to review that this morning and go on where they went into the storm. Jesus calmed the storm on the sea, but now there's a storm in the soul. 
because he crossed over. He had just taught these people. He'd spent days, months with his disciples, and they still don't get it because he's right there with them. They are present with Jesus, but they are not in his presence. Let that sink in. Many of us know him as our Savior, but we do not know him as our Deliverer. And he wants to be everything to us. He wants us to know him fully. So they crossed the sea, and now they're coming into chapter 5. Never come in here 
but what I'm doing is more significant in their lives than they even realize. But I know the Holy Spirit is working, and I know how I can see people changing. And haven't you watched people changing? Yes, just Tremendous. last week. Yes. yes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. I know something about graveyards and tombs because one of my favorite things to do when I was a teenager, see, we kind of lived out in the country and we had a group of friends from Orange County, California, which is if you watch TV, that's kind of the upscale place. But you know what they wanted to do on the weekends? They all wanted to drive out to our house in the country. And we'd have kids piled on the floors in sleeping bags, and they liked my parents. They may not have had a good relationship with their parents, so they wanted parents that they felt could relate to them and love them. And so my sister and I and Bill, my foster brother, remember you met him? Mm -hmm. We would say, what are we going to do this weekend? Everybody's coming out. we got to plan something great. Because we didn't have Disneyland in our backyard. We didn't have SeaWorld in our backyard. We didn't have the ocean in our backyard. These are the kids who had all those things within 20 minutes drive of their house, but they drove 60 minutes out to our house in the country. So we said, let's go to Redlands Cemetery. I hope my sister's listening to this. She'll have, and Bill, I know Bill will listen. And we used to send Bill ahead. Bill, you go in your own vehicle. Now you get there and you hide between, behind one of those tombstones and when we bring the kids out, then you're gonna step out and you're gonna start uh, uh, chasing, making noises and Everybody's going to be so scared that they actually, I can tell you, pee their pants if that really happened. <laughs> Marsha, if you're listening, wherever from Colorado, you'll remember that, sister. Oh, my God. Yes, poor Marsha. Marsha was very sweet and innocent. It's, I can't believe she wanted to hang out with us and do that. <laughs> And like us, but she's still a friend on Facebook. <laughs> to us, that was hilarious. Nowadays, it would be insane because there's going to be, in California, there's probably homeless people sleeping behind those tombstones at night. And when you watch TV, if you watch those paranormal, they always warn you, don't go, you'll get attachments on you. <laughs> We did not have any demonic attachments following us. In fact, my parents, my children have seen, when I've gone into evil places, they've seen physical movement of moving away from me because demons recognize when you walk in with the power of God. And if they're in inanimate objects, those objects can move away from you because they're fearful of what you possess. But tombs and graveyards are a place where dead bones, they're memorials about things that are no longer living. And this man was so possessed that he was violent, outrageous, 
They heard him screaming afar off. He had been bound in change, but he had such demonic strength. You talk about Hulk. This man would just expand himself with demonic force and break the chains that he was bound with. You want to hear exciting stories? Yeah, Jacob, just like that. I saw you do that. That's, that's exactly what he did. These are exciting stories in the Bible that you need to be familiar with, kids. And he was a cutter before this phenomenon began recognized probably in the 1990s, where mostly adolescents are in such pain that they'll cut themselves because the brain then releases endorphins that after the initial pain, they start to feel better because endorphins start to flow. You probably worked with some of those kids. This is what that man did. He was trying to get relief and there was no relief. And he lived among dead things. And those tombstones, those memorials were just reminders of things from the past. And I want to tell you, there are people who are bound today, and I'm talking about Christians who remain bound because you're living among the memorials of things past, and you need to walk into your future where Jesus is there saying, come forward, come out of there. That happened then. That was part of your childhood. But this is now and this is a new and living way that I want you to walk in. He had to be excellent. He was not fit to be around normal, should I say, civilized people. So he had to live outside the city among the place of the dead. He was naked because he had no awareness of how he was perceived. He was exposed. And let me tell you, do demons operate the same today as they did then. They will keep you outside of healthy relationships. They bind you and they make you hideous for everybody to look on and see how destructive, how outside of the norm you are. Verse 2, 3. Who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? 
I adjure thee by God that you torment me not. You see, that was the demons in him. They recognized Jesus was Lord. And they went to him to bow before him and say, please leave us alone. Torment would have been sending them to the pit, chaining them, which is their destiny. But they didn't want to go there before their time. And they said, don't torment us, Jesus. We know who you are. For he said unto him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he, was Jesus, asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for me, for we are many. There was a spokesperson among the many demons in there, and he said, my name is Legion. Legion is what the a Roman army called a unit in the army, a unit of warriors. They said, this is, we're sending legion out to the battle, this legion out to the battlefield, or this legion out to this area. So it was many warriors, is what he referred to. And I want to tell you, they had come into this man, that if you have a person with legion, they have come into a region for a specific person, a purpose, and that purpose is to control that region or that area. We lived in a really dark place, which is worse now. We can't believe it could be worse. When we would have guest ministers, they would always say, how do you stand it here? There's a dark cloud over this area. Well, Jesus calls us to dark areas, okay? We didn't suffer because of that. Oh, you may perceive us as suffering if you uh, understand that I had to get up in the middle of the night when we had drive-bys and I had to get the babies out of their room and go in the hallway so stray bullets couldn't hurt them. Now, that may be very upsetting to you. That was our norm. We just did due diligence, made sure we were safe. Again, when I had somebody say, let me in, open the door, they're chasing me. Oh, no. Fool, I'm not going to open the door. <laughs> Hide under the porch, and I'll call 911. Mm -hmm. All the time. There was one uh, early Saturday morning. This gangster was banging on my door. She said, don't open the door. He said, I just got out of prison. I need to see Pastor Mosley. <laughs> <laughs> to come tomorrow, 10 o'clock. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful soul. Oh, he went from making 30000 a day in the drug industry to coming out and saying, none of that matters. My life's been changed. I'm going to live for the Lord. Oh, we loved him so much. But God takes us to places where others don't want to go. People told us, why are you going to Jacksonville? Where I'm from, Jacksonville being a, a, a lower than Rusk is beyond me why people have that in their head. It's violent. I don't want to send my kids there. I, 
I find that amusing where we're from. <laughs> No, if this school would have been in our community, it would have been so terribly vandalized and invaded by homeless, nobody could have rehabbed it. So I thought, well, what are they talking about? This is a bad area. Even if it was, if God called us, we have no fear to go where God has called us to go. And I can tell you in Rusk, when we moved there, since 12 years, that neighborhood has done nothing but go up in value, and everybody that bought homes in there have improved their properties except for one. Isn't that true? On the street, Bear yes. Street, and the, all the way, all the, all the way around. Yes. It's beautiful compared to 12 years ago. Because when you, did we go and say, we're going to start a committee in our neighborhood? It's called the Beautify Rust Committee. <laughs> no. We brought in a spirit. We cleaned up our property. And that spirit, the Holy Spirit, flowed out in, in, in influencing others. That's how it does. That's how it works. You don't have to directly say something that the Holy Spirit makes an internal change. First of all, I hate committees, and I hate to be in charge of them. I don't even know why God works and called me to work with people as frustrated as I get. But he's called me every day. He lets me disciple somebody new, and I'm going, oh, really, God? <laughs> I said, yeah. See, the main thing he has to remind me of, it's not about church on Sunday. It's not about teaching. It's about loving and he makes me love when I do not feel like loving and if you aren't experiencing that that in your life maybe you were just born with a more loving personality than I was and it's easy for you but he compels me and reminds me over and over again so this man that he says to come out and he says my name is Minnie <clears throat> the demon and he besought him this is after Jesus much that he would not send them away out of the country why? that unit that army unit was for that region and they wanted to accomplish something that man was just symbolic of what they wanted for that whole region. And there's some streets, some neighborhoods, some houses, you walk in and you see the influence so greatly of drugs or alcohol that you know there was a demonic influence that is keeping everybody in there bound. And on the upside, I got to do private work in Beverly Hills for people who didn't want to go to therapy and have everybody know about it. So I came to their house and went into the back door where all the other hired help comes in. And if they're living isolated, it's because they don't want to risk other people at their socioeconomic level understanding that they have problems of domestic violence 
and other issues in their multi-millionaire homes. So it doesn't have to look ugly to be demon-bound. Do you understand that? It can look very socially elite and acceptable. But the end is the same, it's destruction. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there near into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Can you imagine all the devils in the legion, an army of devils screaming at Jesus? Just let us go into those pigs, Lord! Only it would be lots of them. A hundred at once. Oh, can you imagine how ugly that is? Demons running. <laughs> and forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. These poor pigs. What they did. The herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000. Okay, to give you a clue how many demons we're talking, mm -hmm. they went into 2,000 pigs and they were choked in the sea. So the pigs, and pigs are smart as far as animals go, they're right up there with like border collie dogs. They can mentally think like a two year old. You look at some of yours and you think, yeah, this one didn't get that gene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you've had one or two you recognize great problem-solving ability with them. Like naughty teenagers. Naughty, yes. teen, naughty adolescents, yes. <laughs> but they were so overcome with this feeling of evil that they could not, they did not have a brain to be able to rationalize that they just ran wildly off the cliff into the sea and they drowned. Imagine. I know the kids who work for you, they say they get scared when they're out on the. What's that you drive, John? That's a little. You drive around your farm? Gage. Your ranger. Your ranger. And when the pigs come up there, too many get close, they start freaking out. I don't trust them. Good choice. Don't trust them. And they'll kind of kick them away. They've told me things. Oh, there were too many pigs getting by our ranger, and we had to get out of the drive out of there. And they who fed the swine fled. Hey, there were people there, caretakers, swine herders, taking care of them. They ran. And they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him who was possessed with the devil and had the legion. He was now sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were very afraid. Did you know that there are people who see the power of God demonstrated, they recognize it's something bigger than them, but then they get afraid 
because there's something, change is happening and they are not comfortable with change. Many people, it's easy to go forward and we don't even do it here unless the Lord would lead me to and come up in front of the congregation and say, I accept Jesus as my savior because it's more than that. People can have an emotional response to a call for salvation, but they never experience the part of repentance where they turn around and walk in the opposite direction of what they started in. It's very simple. He said, if you steal, you don't steal anymore. If you lie, you don't lie anymore. It's very clear cut what repentance brings, yet there are people who fear God they fear going to hell, but they don't fear continuing in their own behaviors that have brought them nothing but destruction to this point. We gotta pray for people to be saved, to see repentance in their life, and to see growth by the Holy Spirit come about. I believe more than ever, I believed in the 70s. Oh, my friends and I in the Jesus movement, we believed Jesus was coming. We didn't even think we'd get to have, be married and have kids. We believed it so strongly. Told you when we went through the parable of the two coins, the coin was a man's wages for a day. And Jesus said, here's two coins. I'm paying you. I'm coming back. That would stand for 2,000 years. That means if that's correct, it's near. We might be in the last decade to be here on earth. I could be wrong, but I'm, of what I understand, or what I understand prophetically, we are at the end times. And I'll tell you some markers just in case you don't believe it. One thing he said, he said, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and my sons and daughters shall prophesy. See, in the old covenant, there's just a few outstanding women that God called against the norm to be leaders. There was Deborah, there was Huldah in the temple. There was a few others, but he said, after the Holy Spirit's come, I'm going to equal things up because the end time's going to need both the power on men and women to usher in my second coming. Oh, isn't that exciting? That's the truth we live in. He said there'd be earthquakes all over and the intensity would get greater. We just had one in Jamaica last week, a big one. We could go on and on the things that we're seeing more. And even though there are churches <clears throat> that still uh, do not believe in that, there are more churches on the airways than there are uh, against it who are promoting women in ministry. You can go on YouTube and you can see the full gospel. Most of the full gospel pastors do. Because they know that this is part of the time we're living. Now look what it said after verse 16. The people in the city, this is what they said. They begin to 
prayed him. That means ask of him to depart out of their coast. <coughs> Why did they want Jesus there? They were good capitalists. And those pigs, 2,000 pigs, was a lot of money. And Jesus had just sent somebody's herd to death. And they said, oh my God. Do you think they cared about the man who had been delivered, who was tormented? They could care less about human conditions because they were worried about the almighty dollar and how that would upset their economy. And things are valued in America, even in churches, by how much money your church brings in. Now look, take a look around. Does it look like we're bringing in very much money just based on the population here? Wouldn't look like it. Oh, we have resources that God's not. That's not the point. You know what? We're not valued. Oh, we don't want to go to that little church. They're not doing anything. They hardly have a handful there. Okay, Lord, why do you make me disciple every day? <laughs> You know that there are larger churches where you can never even talk to your pastor. The pastor is not available because the time is limited because their congregation is too large. You know what Jesus said, the kind of shepherds he called? The kind who would leave a flock of 100 and go out to the one that was missing. If you have a pastor, you better have one who is available to go out to the one who is missing and not worry about, well, you know, they're not a very good giver. I don't have to mess with them. Who takes more of my time, Brooke? People who never come and never give. That's right. Mm -hmm. People who give are doing good because they're givers. Mm -hmm. They don't need me as much. But they wanted him to leave Whatever he had done was not worth messing with the economy. We've got to decide today if Jesus frees us, he's able to keep us and sustain us. We don't have to fear. Israel and I were with a businessman who said, if Trump doesn't get elected, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen either. <laughs> Almost every time, except this here, we purchased church property to move ahead, a recession hit right afterwards. But every time we survived the recession, God sustained us and many businesses have gone under and said, how do you do it? Oh, we're so brilliant and gifted in this area. <laughs> Brooke knows how gifted I am. Brooke, I got an idea. Call me out. <laughs> the Holy Spirit just, just told me something. Our trust 
is not in the economy or the people in charge of the economy because they're just like the pig owners. Hear this. They're like the pig owners. They care about the bottom line, the bottom dollar, more than anything else, and it doesn't matter if revival could have come to their land, so what? We want our pigs. Oh, that's a whole nother message. Jesus, you're welcome, but let us keep our pigs. That's a, that could be a whole great message, but I preached long enough. I can't do that. That's funny. Howbeit Jesus suffered, oh, verse 18. And when he, Jesus, was coming to the ship, he who had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He wanted to go with Jesus and the disciples. No wonder, I would too. I'd rather stay in that than with the pig loving him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to your friends. And tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. The Great Commission again. Go ye therefore and teach. Go tell. Go tell. Go tell. It is the commission the Lord still has for us today. And I challenge you this week as you leave. You see this as your mission field, and you tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. Because I believe he's coming soon, and I want to take people who I care about. People, I don't want anybody to be left behind and suffer what's coming to this world. But he did. And he departed in verse 20 and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all the men did marvel. This man did the work of an evangelist in a region that was ruled by darkness. And that doesn't mean people cannot be contacted by the Holy Spirit but it does mean the Lord works through us and what he has done for us we need to be able to share he can do it for you too pastor bishop say a word thank you Deborah what a beautiful sermon this morning and I'd just like to add a little bit to it not that it needs it but it's just good out of the whole bunch there was only one that went and had the devil cast out and pastor knows it because I've heard her teach it before but the problem they had was she said let us keep our pigs Jesus went to the lost sheep of Israel what did the lost sheep of Israel have? They clung to the law. What did the law say? Don't eat none of them dirty pigs. Well, that's a message of the They wouldn't eat them, but they were willing to give them to the law. Anyway, Father, 
We're so thankful this morning for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. You have been so good to us. You're exceedingly good to us. You blessed us and you kept us and you lead us and you guide us and you direct us. And I pray, God, that you will let the Holy Spirit just be an explosive power in our life that we will yield to him and let him lead us and guide us and direct us. And we will praise and thank you for it in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Shake hands and be friendly.